Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective. And uh, boy, do we have a topic for you today. You know, um, I've always been sort of interested in archaeology. How are they able to learn so much about the past by finding little bones and rocks and God knows what else? There is a science to it. But that's all nothing compared what, to what people are able to dig up on the Internet about um, transgressions committed in the past. <clears throat> Speaking of archaeology and past civilizations, the ancient Mayans, well, maybe not even ancient, just the Mayans um, predicted, or I don't know if they predicted, their calendar, I think, ended in what we call the year 2012. Is that about right? Their calendar sort of projected this, this season, this year, whatever, and it all ended in what we consider 2012 or something like that. So back when I was your age, people always said, oh, the world might end in the year 2012 and the early days of the internet and YouTube had all these special documentaries, how science confirms, you know, scientists have admitted, they've agreed that, you know, they, that they're impending doom in the year 2012. And, you know, as, as we can see, the world didn't end in 2012, at least not the way we thought it would. Uh, in 2012 and around that time, people got on this fairly new website called twitter.com and they just said whatever the hell passed through their head. And today, the world is basically, uh, their world is ending, let's just say. So in a subtle way, the Mayans were always right. I've always said, listen to those people. They get it. Although they weren't really able to predict their own demise. But now we realize they purposely allowed, um, you know, the, the white man to invade and take over because they knew there would be something called Twitter in the future and they wanted to be nowhere near that. Here to possibly help me understand history and the current situation, the latest round of controversy surrounding archaeology of Twitter is a guy who, let me tell you, you know, some of us, we show up with a nice jacket, with a nice shirt. This guy, he he's wearing a t-shirt. This guy, um, I mean, this guy plays by his own rules. And that's exactly the kind of rebellious spirit that we're going to need if we're going to fight back against these cockroaches in the culture. Please welcome Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Thank you. So yesterday I was criticized for wearing a suit, so nothing is ever good enough. So Never. let's promise the audience something. This is not going to be one of the things, oh, political correctness has gone mad. We're going to penetrate the topic a bit more and we're going to try to see a bit further than that. Also because together with the story, so first of all, let's give the context. So Oli Robinson is a cricket player and he would make his, he made his debut in the national team. So it was a very important day for him. So at the same day where he made his debut, there were some tweets that were quote unearthed as if magically after the rain, you see from the ground, some tweets uh, some tweets coming out. And these tweets were from 2012, 2013, when he was around 18 years old. Some of these tweets look like they're, you know, they're embarrassing. Some of them are uh, racist, uh, sexist. Mostly it's a banter of an 18 year old who apparently, you know, is, hasn't found his way through life. He wants to play tough and all that stuff. I've done way more than when I was 18, but that's 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 not the case. So I don't want to say, oh, he was young. Uh, okay, this has been said one million times. Anyway, I want to focus on something else, what I found very interesting. Oh, sorry. So let's give the story first. 
So then he apologized in one of these videos that look like you're a prisoner of war in North Vietnam. So, you know, you look completely defeated and you read the prescriptive thing about how you, uh, how you regret, how hurt you are and how you have educated yourself and how you work towards educating yourself. Now, unfortunately, this public uh, apology, this ritual, because that's how we should see it, this ritual did not work and he was axed from the team anyway. So a couple of interesting things already before we go on. The first thing that I found very interesting is that the Twitch quote emerged on the day that he made his debut, on the day of his biggest achievement in his life, in his professional life, so to speak. This is done. And then we find out today was in the news that there's one more player who, whose tweets are under examination, but this time it's his tweets from when he was 16, not from when he was 18. So my first question is this, who is this person? What type of person must you be? How much free time you must have? How dark must your soul be? That in the day that someone makes his debut in the national team, you go back nine years to find and notice, most of these were not tweets. They were replies to tweets. So that person must have been very, very, very eager to find him. So this is my first comment. This does not, let's say, this does not say anything about the athlete. Maybe the athlete deserves, I don't know, moral condemnation, all that stuff. I'm just very curious. Why would someone do that? And what type of Iago are you as a person? Like, I would be very interested to meet that person in real life, see how happy you're with your life, how you deal with your life, what type of person you are to hang out with. Uh, I'm, I'm very, 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 very uh, curious about that. Let me, let me say a bit more of facts and then you're going you're gonna to jump in. I found very interesting some of the comments around the case. So why did the Federation, the English uh, cricket boards, uh, suspended him? So they said that... A there, is, there has to be a disciplinary investigation. And my question is a disciplinary investigation on what exactly? We know the tweets. We've seen the tweets. What does it mean, a disciplinary investigation? Are you going to interview people around him, see if he's a good person? Uh, maybe you are going to go back in 2020 and see if he posted stuff about BLM or maybe he, he was happy for Biden and Kamala Harris, in which case maybe we can catch him. Such like. What does this mean that we're going to do this? investigation. Another thing that I found very interesting, what did the teammate say? He said, okay, he's going through stuff, he apologizes, but he, quote, he has to learn some hard lessons. What are the hard lessons he must learn nine years ago? And how is it that by basically taking away the biggest professional moment of one life, is it going to make that person a better person? So what exactly are the lessons there? So these, these are the questions I have. So these type of issues have become such a meme that everyone is dealing them completely superficially that I find it interesting getting a bit into the narrative and trying to see how empty all this is. And we're going to hear from Raka. And then I also want to see an article that was pro the suspension, an article from The Guardian, and try to get a bit into their arguments and see how they view the case because I found it also very interesting. Raka. First, thank you, Jonathan Honig, for the super chat, a picture of a dog, a picture of a pride rainbow. Uh, and he says, I said some things on high school radio shows in the 1990s I ain't proud of. Well, I am proud of you, Jonathan, for admitting that. 
Uh, Jeff with Canadian $3 asks, how's it going? Well, could be better considering what's happening uh, in the world. Um, you know, this whole question of like, well, you know, what type of person goes and digs this stuff up? Um, there used to be some kind of um, like embarrassment of being that guy, I think. Uh, like people wanted to be cool. They wanted to be seen as easygoing. Like somebody would say, hey, look, I'm impossible to offend. Believe me. But this joke right here, I think, you know, we just got to think about it if this is OK. Something Like that's how people used to frame it. Nowadays, it's like people are like proud of the fact that they're offended by stuff and they're um, I mean, it's it's like and everyone needs to be uh, impeccably clean. Everybody needs to be uh, in line with this, you know, religion of what are you going to call it? political correctness or critical race theory? You know, I mean, it's the Internet was that, supposed that's, to. That's what I'm getting at, Raga. It's so mm -hmm. shallow. There's nothing there. So if you see all the official communicates, there's nothing there. It doesn't say oh, you need to do this, or we are doing this so that you are punished exactly for this particular thing. And our... it's like, it's, it's a ritual of nothingness. That's what I'm not getting. What, what's the end play here? What are we trying to accomplish here? I mean, uh, what's the end goal? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, like it's been observed and you're probably uh, more aware of this than I am that today's leftists uh, have much less of a positive vision for the future than the communists. Um, so the, the communists, they, you know, they were, they were obviously uh, causing mass amounts of pain and suffering, but nothing like, but the, the idea was like, there's going to be a, a, a payoff, you know, we'll have heaven in future generations or whenever today's, uh, you know, leftists or whatever, however you describe this group of people that are doing this. I mean, I guess maybe if you push them, they'll say, we want equity, we want equality, but like, what does that look like? You know, will there actually be a time when everyone can just literally follow their own judgment and not have to worry about getting canceled? Maybe yes, because they'll be educated, you know, and that's the big thing. You need to be educated. You need to be told here's what's going on vis-a-vis uh, -vis race inequality where so like blacks are being oppressed because of the thoughts in the minds of white people, uh, the way that that white people, let's say, profile and discriminate un unknowingly and of course it gets much more complex than white versus black it's able versus disabled it's gay versus straight and trans versus cis and so on um so i guess it, i guess once everybody's educated then maybe uh there's nothing there's um then maybe then people can just live and free and, pro and prosper but but of course that's impossible no one's ever going to be educated by this ever-changing landscape where people uh, some people's job is to find new forms of oppression just like uh, when it when you when it comes to digging up old tweets, there are some people whose literal job that is. I don't mean just. Um, I mean, I mean they're getting paid to do that. They find the article, they write the article, and that's literally their job. They have got the hot take, and also their sort of a uh, purpose in life is to educate people, which in, which entails digging up, uh, <sighs> digging through people's trash and finding what they tweeted when they were eighteen. But um, Here's what I meant when I said that when I was 18, I did war. So, for example, when I was 18, I was supporting every armed urban guerrilla, a.k.a. terrorist leftist group in the world. And I was very vocal about this, and I thought I was on the right side of history, which means that if there was Twitter, I would tweet about all that stuff. Here's the question. If someone would punish me by, by losing the jobs that I had back then, which were not very significant, but anyway... Would I ever change my mind on that? Would I say, oh, you know what? Left-wing terrorism turns out is not the way. 
I would say, no, this whole society is now against me. So my views are correct. So even if your aim is we want to make this person seize their mistake, as the teammate said, it still doesn't make sense. Anyway, let's continue because there are two more very interesting points here. And the first is, uh, how does the guard, how does an article in the garden, which is called, uh, he has, uh, sorry, a, a only Robinson's England suspension is the right move by the ECB, the e English cricket uh, board. So here's, here's what I found very interesting. They give us four reasons why this was a good idea. None of these four makes any sense by any principle. Reason number one. He said, well, there is no status of limitation. Therefore, we couldn't say he was, uh, he was 18, 19. So they said, he said, they said, the Federation has no status of limitation. So there's this stupid technicality. Therefore, what can we do? This is like the, the metaphysical versus the man-made in steroids. Oh, it looks like the board hasn't got a status of limitation. Therefore, yeah, what could you do? Yeah, you have to throw his career, basically. You have to ruin his career. Second point. Well, there had to be this. He had to be suspended because we need to get the full picture and see whether he has actually changed. And again, what does this mean? What does it mean to see the full picture? If there were other tweets, the offense archaeologists they would have found it. What are they going to do? They're going to do truth tests. He's going to go through seminars. He's going to do this online quiz, find how anti-racist you are. What, what does this even mean? Point number three. Oh, actually, there are five points. Point number three, sorry, four. So they say maybe the world suspension is not the right one because they said he's not suspended. He's put in on the side until they find out what happened. This is 100% this is the discussion between the wet nurse and Reardon, where the wet nurse says, look, if we don't name the things that we don't like, then the things that we don't like will not exist anymore. So, so up to this point, we've had... Well, there is no law that says that uh, you shouldn't be suspended for all tweets. Well, we need to figure out what is happening here. And third, it's not really a suspension. And here's the weirdest one, which is the fourth one. Well, cricket has a problem because the demographics of professional players at the higher level is not the same as the demographics of people who play cricket recreationally. So basically, because the numbers don't add up, and it might, it might be the case that there is some element of discrimination, though there is zero proof given about that. This guy is good that he's suspended, although he's not really suspended according to the article, because a message needs to be passed. So this is the salad. This is the, this is the conceptual chaos in the mind of people who think that this is a good idea, which again brings me to the question, what is the aim of someone like that? There is no clear aim. There are no clear principles based on what you're punished. It's just that, well, there seems to be many people think that this is okay. Therefore, a bit of social metaphysics as objectively to say, and we're good. This is this is this is what this is what we're having to, to deal with here. Um, what did he actually tweet? Well, he tweeted, yeah. Now, if I say what he tweeted, I might be in trouble. So he tweeted something about uh, bragging to someone, something like, oh, I could, uh, I could, uh, I'll put it in, in kind words. Uh, some like your girlfriend likes me more than she likes okay. you. Another tweet, uh, girls should learn some manners. 
Another thing he had, uh, I think he had a Muslim friend and he said something, yo, the guy's the bomb. Uh, something else he said, uh, someone in the train looks like he has Ebola, something like, things like that. But wow. so incoherent, incoherent stuff. And so this is not the guy who's like, yeah, I'm a racist and I'm going to put this racist overview out there. This looked more like drunk text, to be honest. But again, I don't want to cut him slack. The point is not, yeah, these things are not okay. Obviously, uh, you know, when you're 18, you go through this thing. You have to prove how tough you are. Maybe this is how he did it. That's not the way to go through life. But uh, anyway. So uh, the internet is basically a mistake. I think uh, we can just basically <laughs> say, because, uh, you know, back uh, back in the day, like, you know, people with a certain type of sense of humor can hang out with fellow types of people, you know, edgy people, people that like to find the edge and they'll go a little bit past it. Uh, we could just hang around with each other and we understood that it wasn't serious. It was a joke. And then um, you had like more of the vanilla types of people, the people who are, you know, they, God bless them. They, uh, they're careful what they say and they're very sweet and they don't want to offend any, each other. And, and that's great for them. And uh, no one ever had to kind of uh, cross paths. But now with the internet, everyone... So at first, the internet gave everyone the ability to find their own types of people. And that's good. But now the internet's gotten very centralized. Centralized. Twitter, I think, is the belly of the beast. Because you have, like, journalists, presidents, and world leaders, and, and all these, like, very prominent people all tweeting and like everyone sees it right away. So it's very easy to kind of expose and get, get traction exposing people. Whereas something like Facebook, let's say something could go viral where someone's being exposed, but it's still only kind of reaching a certain segment of people. It's not blowing up on the front page of Facebook the same way necessarily. Uh, YouTube, you know, it's also pretty, uh, it's also sort of cancel, cancel capital YouTube because of how big a video can get, but still YouTube, it only kind of reaches a certain number of people and a lot of people are blissfully unaware of that Twitter though. Twitter is cancel capital. Twitter is where like someone can expose you for something and everyone's kind of aware of it right away. And it's being published by the New York times right away. And it's being published on it's airing on CNN and Fox and everywhere's everyone's talking about right away. So Twitter really is ground zero of cancel culture. And uh, so now everyone can see what everyone else is doing. So if you and I like doing a podcast where we say kind of offensive things and we know we're joking, but like now the, the, the dorks are, they're releasing news uh, stories about it. And they're like, look at these two bigots. They think it's funny to just sit around and say offensive things. And, and then someone says, yeah, but they're joking. I go, well, what's the joke? There's no joke. There's no punchline. They're just saying offensive stuff. And it's how careers are, are ruined. Careers devastated. Uh, sounds like the guy uh, was tweeting jokes that were clearly jokes or just kind of a mood he, he was, was in. He was tweeting to his friends, and this is what someone said, that that was a different time probably for Twitter where mostly people used Twitter to joke with friends. So there was a time that particularly in some times, Twitter was not that political. And again, this is not cutting slack to the guy. But Raga, because we're running out of time, I want to throw another element in the story. So from the morning, and I think for some hours now, from yesterday maybe, a lot of people, because there was some prominent politician who supported the athlete, they said, you people, you conservatives are hypocritical. 
because there was another case of someone with past discretions, mistakes, that you did not forgive. And of course, we're talking about Samina Begam. Samina flew to the Islamic State, I think when she was 15. She became, uh, she, under, interestingly, I think under peer pressure, she flew there because apparently it was a cool thing. And then she became one of the, of the enforcers of the ISIS morality. So she experienced the, the horror that ISIS had enforced in the, its occupied territories. And she was, let's say, an accomplice to that. But she was very young. Last year, she said, you know what? I've changed my mind also. I think she was, she was about to give birth. And she said, I, please let me come back to the United Kingdom. And the UK said, no. And then she went to court and the court said still no. And a lot of people are saying, look, she made a mistake. She was 15, this guy was 18. Why do you have two different standards? And I want to hear your view. My five pens on this is two things. First of all, obviously there's the gravitas of the mistake. But for me, there's something even more than the gravitas of the mistake. It's whether, sorry, not more, but related to that. Have you actually, are you actually sorry for that mistake? So for example, with Samina, we've seen interviews where she's cutting slack to ISIS where she's saying, well, the Manchester bombing, yeah, it wasn't cool, but aren't you basically doing the same elsewhere? Or yeah, okay, I see, yeah, maybe crucifixion here and there, but basically in many countries you have the same thing. So you get the idea that do I really want this person back? Like, has this person really changed their mind? So I find it interesting that some offensive tweets were put on the same plate as uh, you know, joining, uh, as they said, the death cult. But I, I don't want to just dismiss it and say, no, it's not the same. So I, I want your opinion on that. I mean, uh, it's sort of, yeah, I mean, you could sort of look at the Arab-Israeli conflict as kind of a microcosm of this. You know, if Israel does one thing that falls short of, of the right thing to do, it's, it's, it's an outrage. Or even if Israel does the right, you know, if Israel in, in defense uh, kills civilians uh, in the process of defending itself, that's seen as atrocious. But Hamas can be as openly brutal as they want. Hamas, they basically are ISIS. Maybe they're like a notch more civilized than ISIS, but not much. Uh, Hamas can, or the Palestinians generally are, are held to a completely different standard, if any standard at all. Uh, and so the fact that this uh, young lady was basically on board with ISIS and is still sort of apologizing for them, that does not offend the uh, nihilistic left. It does not offend the egalitarian left because ISIS, for all of their misogyny, let's say, to put it very lightly, um, their uh, homophobia, again, to put it very, very lightly. They are non-Western, anti-Western. They are, a quote, indigenous or however people look at them. They are enemies of capitalism. And that puts them in a completely different category than a basically decent soccer player or cricket player or whoever it is um, <laughs> who, uh, who tweeted something. So going against political correctness, or, or going against egalitarianism, uh, standing up against critical race theory, standing up against the postmodernist trend here in the West is seen as an enormously offensive thing. Whereas just, you know, literally being literally ISIS is seen as, you know, a more of a mixed case. I mean, and this is, you know, this is the power of philosophy. We've got a few super chats uh, we can read real quick. Bonnie with $5 says their reaction is automatic because they will not recognize that a person can learn, not just regurgitate the common line. 
I think referring to the, um, the archaeologists. Uh, Marilyn, thank you for the super chat. Uh, and thank you, Jeff, for the $10 Canadian. He gets, says, we forgave Omar Cotter and gave him $10 million. Is that a, do you know who Omar is? I'm not, sounds like an athlete. Uh, sounds like somebody uh, maybe committed violence or, or tweeted something offensive. Uh, is that, Dude, is that, that doesn't, I don't think it's only that. So why mm -hmm. did he, why would he say Omar Qatar Khan? Okay. Oh, does he mean Omar Kader? Yeah, that's what he, that's what it says. Yeah, he was in Guantanamo. Anyway, it's a big story. We're going to take it out and we're going to, we're going to take it out on Clubhouse. Okay, we're, we're ready to jump over to Clubhouse. Uh, thank can, you I, can I say one last thing on yeah. this story? Like, what's mm -hmm. my parting thoughts? What I find here is that officially now we don't have standards of right and wrong. We have only one thing is I'm going to go by emotion. I'm going to go by my tribal affiliation. I feel that this person who joined with the most horrendous movements that we've seen probably since the Nazis. Yeah, cut some slack. But this, you know, guy, maybe a bit toxic masculine, not cutting some slack. So the, the sole criteria here is, again, whatever I feel like and whatever my tribal affiliation is, that's where we are. Welcome to, welcome to where we are find ourselves okay absolutely tribalism is huge and we see it everywhere i mean i hate to uh i hate to piss off the audience after i just did a good job of bashing the left but when i look at prager you they're constantly everything's leftist leftist the left the left ben shapiro does a, a history of the middle east he completely leaves out the way that republican presidents uh threw israel under the bus he completely uh leaves out how reagan and bush and and uh, nixon held a leash on Israel when they could have been defending themselves and, and assassinating Yasser Arafat, et cetera. Shapiro completely leaves that out. Prager completely, everything's the left, the left, the left. It's tribalism and it's otherism and it's scapegoating and it's not a pursuit of the truth. So we need to be pursuing the truth. And in doing so, we will offend a lot of people. And let's just hope nobody digs up any of our tweets. Uh, coming up in 32 minutes from now at the bottom of this hour or the top of the next one, Yaron Brook is back for a debate against Greg Scorzo, and they're going to be debating the welfare state, good or bad. We want to know what you think. Please be there. Please comment and super chat your support uh, to express that you want a lot more content like that. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Now, right now, we're jumping over for a little clubhouse session. Uh, we're going to talk about this. I imagine some of you might have something to say. So meet us there. Thank you and goodbye.